Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and Nate's drinking his beer through a glory hole at an airport bathroom. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading our Patreon-selected book of the month, Survivor by Chuck Palahniuk. And uh, someone start with a beer. This is a Mike, you dickhead ale. <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning of the book, uh, the main character gets a lot of uh, gets a lot of phone calls from perfect strangers. So this is perfect strangers double IPA from Single Cut. Tastes like glory. <laughs> <laughs> this is so worth being late to my flight for. <laughs> How's the beer? Uh, yeah, it's fine. Another ringing endorsement from the Drunk Eyes Book Club. WIPA with UBE. What? What is that? Universal Basic Enemas. UB drinking. It's a. It's it's my UB forty cover band. <laughs> I can't um, read that. I can't read. What, what does that I, mean? I'm like, assuming man. that's a type of hop, but I really don't know. Ube. So this book was uh, our our Patreon poll winner. So we will be thanking the patrons in just a few minutes. And uh, I forget what, what was it. We picked. We each picked a book. That the other two had not read, right? But we had read. But we had read, yeah. So I picked, this was my pick. And I read this like a decade ago. Well, actually, probably exactly a decade ago, actually. And I loved it at the time. And I went on a, like, it was like when I just started getting into reading again. After taking off years during college, ironically. And then I read, like, at probably every Chuck Palahniuk book that existed at the time. I read that. I think I read them all at the time. And loved his style. And I was like, we should do one of those. And I'm I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> My opinion was wrong then. It was fine. It was not, really, but sure. You guys selected other things. We'll see them in the future maybe one day. One There'll day. be more polls. So the book was published in 1999, which is kind of important, I guess, uh, for something to get to later. Because it was just before 9-11. Yeah. Well, there was a movie adaptation in the works, and then 9-11 happened. They're like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, that just crashed and burned, that adaptation. Could have just changed it to a boat. But Speed 2 had just come out, and that was a bomb. There was supposed to be a bomb. It's about a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> so the main character's name is Tender Branson, which is the way I order my steaks. <laughs> and... <laughs> Tender Branson is at the beginning. Of, well, it's told all fucking weird. Like the chapters count down because it's pretentious. It's out of and order. The page apparently in the printed version, which I definitely read, the uh, the pages count backwards. It's so hip, so transgressive. And he is a survivor of a like he's working. Well, okay. Yeah, all First, right. all you hear is that he has. He is on a hijacked airplane, and you find out that he has hijacked the airplane. But because he's not a total mass murderer, he's let everybody else off except for one pilot who he has then let jump out, like with a parachute, just parachute out. So he's alone in the cockpit of a 747. My first problem is I'm pretty sure you can't parachute out of a 747. I don't well, they, think that, they explain I don't think you it, could open the door in flight. They explain that they go down to like 10,000 feet and slow down and then how to go back up because that was an important plot hole to fill. 
among all the others. But it's really difficult to fly that kind of plane. Like, well, he goes into an extensive explanation of the autopilot. All you got to do is hit this button and it'll bring it back up. Which is okay, man. Which is probably not true. But um, I did, I remember, we've probably mentioned this actually, I'm not sure when, but there was some sort of study done on could you get, you know, if the pilots are incapacitated, could you get people to land the plane if you talk them through it? According to the documentary Airplane, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, after he, what was it, he finished reading the pamphlet on famous Jewish sports heroes or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was, yeah. <laughs> uh, but they did this experiment and people in like a flight simulator and they're like, okay, you're going to press this button and half the people just instantly crashed the plane. Like they didn't even forget like putting but out not the... Not all of them. <laughs> Yeah, half those of ones. The other half crashed it twelve minutes later. Yeah, <laughs> apparently the autopilot really does work pretty well and can actually land the plane. What you have to do is just sort of like get it lined up with the runway and then not crash before you get it lined up with the runway and sort of just you know put the flaps in the right position. And the plane can actually do a lot of it. However, if you panic and put the plane into like a wild like barrel roll, which the, those planes are not designed to do, just you're, it's going to trash. <laughs> yeah. All right, anyway. So anyway, he's alone on the airplane, and he is dictating into the flight recorder his, like, final words. But because he has a... It's because there's a ton memoir. of fuel on the plane, <laughs> because there's a ton of fuel on the plane, it's going to take him hours. So he, he, So literally what we're reading is him telling this whole book to the flight data recorder... Which is really just, he's just saying it into the cockpit. Like, the flight data recorder doesn't have a microphone. You mean you don't hold it. He's just, he's just saying it into the cockpit. And then he's like, and here's how this happened. And then it goes back to him cleaning houses. Yeah. So he has his job. And he's working, you know, for a really, really rich family. And there's a lot of plot holes here, too. Um, this book is like a Swiss cheese of plot holes, if you leave it out too long. It's stinky, <laughs> but he's... It, I mean, it's satire. It doesn't actually make any sense at all. What is it satirizing? Every, everything that Chuck Palahniuk had ever met or encountered or thought about encountering is in this book. <laughs> so he works for uber-rich fuckers, and... But not they, uber. It doesn't exist yet. No. They are still medallion-rich uh, fuckers, <laughs> and they are obsessed with etiquette... And uh, not appearing less, you know, rich and refined than they want to appear. And he has this odd job as the cleaning person slash gardener slash uh, etiquette instructor to them, even though he never meets them. He only speaks to them over speakerphone, which I guess is like a 90s kind of thing that that's like mentioned often because that was a kind of newer thing. Uh, and only rich assholes would use speakerphone in 1998 when he was writing this book, or high-powered douchebags, because it didn't work very well. And they're constantly like, he's like, yeah, I know how to do all these things, like how to polish piano keys, or how to cut open a lobster, or what to do if your coconut drips. <laughs> this is called... I have one of those in the fridge. <laughs> if you can brush it, get it open. It's fine, and the etiquette rules we follow to drink this now. It's not... It's after Labor Day. Oh, no. So this is coconut drip from Finback, and it's an imperial stat with coconut, coffee, vanilla bean, and peanut butter. That is 11% alcohol, and it's made with coffee that the Finback people roast. It's like a vertically integrated hipster organization, and it really smells like peanut butter. 
It's quite, it's, it's pretty good. And coconut? Yeah, I don't really get as much coconut. I wish there were more. I wish there was like less of this peanut butter and more of the coconut. But it's pretty darn good. And uh, it's mellowed out. I bought it when I when it first came out. I bought it a couple weeks ago, months ago into the future, and it was fine. But it's gotten better. Like the, I feel like the peanut butter. I don't know if they use desiccated peanut butter, like peanut butter powder, or someone's some poor bastard has a scoop in a big jar of Jiffy. And some guy just, with one really strong arm. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it's so the peanut butter flavor is a bit was a bit abrasive at first, but it's mellowed out. Delicious. So well, I want to drink also. Yeah. Um, so he's teaching them how to do all these meals. Like they're really weird meals. Like, oh, this is how you eat a lobster professional, like purposefully. This is how you eat soup, right? This is how you uh, eat an endive. And really, you know, complicated. Is that how you say that word? Oh my God, I've been wrong endives? for. Uh, I said endive the whole time in oh, my head. No, endives, yeah. Um, endives nuts? Yeah, endives nuts. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> And That's uh, how I'll remember it, it now. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, you know, he uses them how to get to these complicated meal processes and dinner party things. And like a meal that you really need a, like a coach for is how to eat uh, pancakes by campfire. <laughs> <laughs> that is a difficult one. <laughs> it's very dark. Uh, I've seen this at the store for weeks now, and I thought, I'm going to drink that one day. I just have to figure out how to justify it. And now I finally can. <laughs> pancakes by campfire is from Timber Ales, and it is a... A snack-sized stout conditioned in maple syrup, coffee, and banana, and it's 12% or something like that. This doesn't sound like a snack. Oh, it's a, it's a regular-sized can, at least. A little can. Oh, God, it's so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Lord, okay. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Tastes like, <laughs> tastes like fucking syrup and bananas. <laughs> it's like a Bananas Foster kind of thing. Yeah, it's good. I approve. I approve. Ells is distributed by twelve percent, but I don't know. I feel like that's so. Luckily, it's a tiny can, or I'd die. <laughs> Happily, though, it sounds like. Mm, yes, it would be a good death. <laughs> this is a good death. <laughs> Unlike <laughs> crashing in a hijacked airplane. Oh, Too soon, Nate. <laughs> hey, nine eleven hadn't happened yet. When this book came, yeah, out. this was too soon. It was, it was too early. <laughs> it was literally too soon. Uh-huh. So yeah, you. Uh, so he is like cleaning houses because he's really good at it. Also teaching about how to like you know eat lobster the right way. Um, because he's apparently good at that too. Because he was trained practically from birth to be the perfect like domestic butler, <laughs> house cleaner, domestic gardener. servant. Yeah, servant, all-around servant. Borderline slave, really. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the end, you realize it's not really borderline. Well, yeah, they make it very <laughs> clear. Uh, but he, you know, I don't know how to tell it in order, but basically he, he, he's from a cult that this is their thing. If you're not the firstborn son, you get shipped off to work as a domestic servant for other families out in the outworld, and you never go back, and all the money goes to your family. Yep, and you are taught you never have sex or date, and you never even like fraternize with fraternize with other people. And they give you a fish, so you won't want to have a baby. We have a pet of some sort, I think. And he's on his six hundred and forty first fish, because that's what you do. Keeping goldfish in a bowl, and goldfish are actually quite large and need to be kept in something much larger, at least twenty gallons minimum. And that's a fish fact for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, this book is filled with those kind of facts. We're like, that might be true. I don't know. <laughs> like how to get blood out of a nightgown. Yep. How to get toothpaste off of a dog. You know. Yeah, and that one's half of them, quite easy. Half of them are with lemon. Did you notice that? Like half of them were like, yeah, the, the secret is you just pour a lot of lemon on it and then you I guess uh, it's just the acid breaks it down. I don't know. I'm pretty I did read a thing where Chuck Palahniuk was asked about these things, if they're true or not, and he said they were. Like he must have read through a lot of good housekeeping when researching for this novel. This is a very specific, very weird research for a part that doesn't actually end up mattering. Uh well it's a book that doesn't matter. So <laughs> you know. He was hoping he would cancel out. Like, if at some point he, like, needed to clean a bunch of stuff in weird ways, be like, oh, finally, his training has kicked it's in. It's like, like a weird MacGyver plot <laughs> later. <laughs> That's how he hijacks the plane. Just keeping things clean. So you find out that he's a survivor of this cult, but it's a, but it's a suicide cult, and where most of the people have killed themselves. Um, most of the people in the cult, but all the, so all the people that were back... Home on the like cult ranch, which happened to be in Nebraska, they all like drank, drank poison Kool Aid and killed themselves. He's clearly modeling this off of Jonestown. Well, you know why the um, Jim Jones jokes are so funny, Nate, right? Because the punchline kills. <laughs> Pretty good. Though at the so if this came out in so if he was writing it in like 1998, this was right when the like. Do you remember the Heaven's Gate cult? Yeah, those yeah. they, they uh, castrated themselves to go catch the Haley Bop comet. There was a like a mass suicide, a cult like mass suicide somewhere in the mid 90s. There were they multiple all, things. Heaven's Gate was like four, 38 people or something like that. They do get mentioned in the book in one sentence. Yeah. And they had this um, leader guy who was comically gay. Like, he was the most flamboyant man. He had been in, like, musical theater in the 50s and 60s and then formed a cult about extraterrestrials. But then forced everyone in the cult to be asexual by getting, um, like, chemically castrated or neutered or whatever because he was so ashamed of being gay. <laughs> And, but he still loves show tunes. And they all, but then when he was like close to death, they all killed themselves to go ride on a fucking meteor. It's a comet. Comet, whatever the fuck it was. Comet, the meteor yeah. was a different cult. <laughs> and then there was also fucking the Branch Davidians. Uh, and like a True. standoff. The Waco with, one? Waco, where. Yeah, that was Waco, yeah. Clinton that was, had them murdered. That was slightly different. Well, that was a violent. They, would, then they, they suicided hit. by FBI. But they were all, didn't they like bars and they were I mean, all fucking they, they dead? Did, they did choose not to leave when the fire started, but that was, so that was slightly different. I remember when the, uh, fire. <laughs> when the Heaven's Gate cult, you know, suicide happened and they're just, you know, CNN just had, somebody went in with a camera and it was just like bodies like draped with like sheets over them, but they all had... They all had these like matching Adidas shoes on them. They had these like like, matching shoes. The uh, branding is very important. Shoes. And then on Saturday Night Live, they they played it and put like as an Adidas commercial. (laughs) (laughs) It It would have been better as a Nike one. You know, just do it. That's (laughs) true. Ooh, yes. (laughs) Anyway, so in this cult, what they do is like they have a if you're the firstborn son. You get to you get 
assigned a wife, and you then have as many children as possible. Uh, everyone has like twelve children. The uh, if you're not the firstborn, you get sent. You get trained to basically be a servant. And you get, and then when you become like, you know, a late teenager, early adult, you get sent out to work, but your wages are then sent back to the main, like, cult compound. So, like, you're basically slave, you're more or less slave labor because you don't, you get the most minimal amount of, like, money and lodging and everything like that, but you're also the best servants in the world. However, when the uh, main cult group all killed themselves all the people who were out doing the servant thing they didn't because they like didn't get the message because they're like forbidden from listening to like taking phone calls or like or watching listening TV. to the radio watching tv or listening to the radio so even, they literally didn't know even talking to each other when they meet in the street by chance they say like hey how's it going it's great that they can't say more than that they're like I love and Jesus. They know, they know someone else from the cult because they all dress still super weird. They look like the Amish people that are out on that, like, you know, bender year. Rumspringa? Yeah, when they just go out and get herpes and shit. That's what they look like. Well, they got to get the gene pool a little bit deeper somehow. <laughs> so you find out that right it's now. been... So you find out that it's been 10 years since the since the mass suicide and that... Uh, there are the number of, what is the name of the cult again? Creedish. Creedish? Yeah, it's Scott Stapp being a fucking cult. That the number of Creedish that are still alive um, keeps going down. To one. Because is, they keep, well, it, wait, that's going to happen in the book, but no, it keeps a, going down because song. Damn it, they uh, assume, oh, okay. <laughs> and it goes down to one. I thought that too. Uh, one is one of their songs. And they're like, hey, can you take it higher? Like, no, it's only going to go lower. <laughs> that was the only one I knew. Um, uh, me too, yeah. Anyway, because they, I got they a few assume, more. I'm because the authorities keep assuming that the the former creed that, that the Creedish members find out about the suicide with it, and they and they've been programmed to then kill themselves at the same time that everybody else did, but they haven't heard about it yet, so they hear about it and they keep dying. Mm-hmm. Whoops. <laughs> Except that's not what's happening. Maybe. I mean, it was all kind of mm-hmm. dumb, but no, that wasn't what's happening. Well, here. quickly, yeah, I mean, out of order, but quickly you find out from his uh, tender's caseworker, because he has a, a social worker who, you know, does the bare minimum with him every so often, that the that some of the deaths... Look a little murdery. Like this a guy shot bit. himself in the back of the head twice. Yeah, this person <laughs> has you know stabbed himself with a broken hand. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot with of a severed of those. human hand. And as if, <laughs> as if they you know they had been uh, a little bit more than coerced, shall we say? But then once they died, then everyone was like, oh fuck yeah, we got to kill ourselves. And then the, the numbers would would tick back up. And so she warns him about this, and he's like, who could it be? And then later on, you find out, and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that's 100% who I guessed it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, he's got a... You didn't guess that's who it was going to be, Nate? Like, I, I didn't remember shit about this book. But There was only one other character in the cult in the book, so yeah. Yeah, like, as soon as, like, my yeah. brother, he's oldest. I never saw him again. He has a different life than me. We're <laughs> like, twins. Until, he's until three minutes you see older. him again. Yeah. Which is still only like a quarter of the way through the book. And so, yeah, it must be him. But that's only 8% through the stuff of the book. <laughs> it's uh, yes, relentless. but we haven't mentioned 
why he keeps getting all these phone calls. So he's got this like tiny little apartment. His phone number is uh, one off from movie phone. It's just like <laughs> movie funk. <laughs> he's, he has this tiny little apartment, and he get but his phone calls all the time because some newspaper, a local newspaper in the area, had printed a. A suicide hotline number, like oh, you know, you know, call this number and get help. But they had misprinted the number by one, and so all these people are calling his home instead. And then he played it up and actually just when when that when the phone when those calls stopped coming, he actually just had stickers made and with his number on it and said, <laughs> "Call this." But he, what he does is when people call and say like, "Oh, I'm." I'm, I feel so bad. I want to kill myself. He says, "Yep, do it. <laughs> do it." He says, "Just do it." Uh, he says, "Go ahead, pull the trigger." And this part is to like, even though it's not the same thing that happens in Fight Club, it feels just like Fight Club. A lot because, of this feels like Fight Club. Uh, the whole oh yeah, book for sure. Felt like Fight Club, like many ways, but just you know, in the beginning of Fight Club, the main character, whatever the fuck his name is, he doesn't have a name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is like keeps going, goes to like all this. He pretends he has every problem in the universe to go to the self help groups because that's where he finally like feels something, you know, like you know the men's testicular cancer support group and the you know all all those kinds of things. So, but this was like kind of this. I thought it was going in the same direction. It's like, well, I finally like feel something when people call with all of their you know problems. That is a theme in this guy's books. I mean, the whole the whole thing felt a lot like Fight Club. I was trying to think of like what the other title could be. But it was like Altercation Association uh, or <laughs> <laughs> Conflict Crew. I don't know why mine are alliterative, but uh, it's all about like, you got to feel something. He's so jaded. He's, it's like in tone. It is exactly like Fight Club, and, and every then, character sounds the same too. Actually, <laughs> and then like Fight Club, his world is upended by the arrival of a depressing, manic, pixie, dream girl type. Who's just so hot. And this is like, was Suicide Girls a thing yet? Because maybe that's Chuck Palahniuk's real contribution to the world. Is uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But he's, you know, a hot, fucked up girl who is somehow drawn to the main character. Even though, though in this one, she is not. But she... Yeah, <laughs> she says well, he's, he's really pretty ugly. She's drawn but, to his sexy voice on the phone. But he looks right. like a chud in real life. So. But he must, he's like a fucking hill person from Nebraska. Oh, yeah. He she must says, have sounded like, like she Larry says Bird. Like, what he's he impressively like? ugly. I don't know. My gosh, who are you? <laughs> but he probably, in my head, he sounds Amish because <laughs> like, he you know, speaks oddly. And he's like, hey, this, like, you know, oh, I can't think of the fuck. I just got a fucking total brain fart on what my Amish word was going to be. Yeah, I think you're speaking pig Latin. I just I'm uh, a little drunk, uh, but he, <laughs> God damn it, Amish people! I I would Google what they say, but I don't think I'll find it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Oh my God. Well, she greets. She doesn't greet him with arms wide open like the <laughs> people in Creed do. Oh wait, no, I knew that song too. You're right. I got one more. I'm not sure where to use it. <laughs> oh, okay. One more. It'll, it'll so uh, the main ca- so. The main character, Tender, is getting uh, is getting all these phone calls and he, what he says <laughs> from his to brother, people. Chicken Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and his, his sister, and breast. And his, 
The baby little nugs. And his cousin Hot Wings. <laughs> um, yeah, buffalo Wings. Uh, yeah, so he gets, um, he's getting these phone calls and he, you know, he, he puts it on speakerphone and he's like, and they're like, I, I just feel so bad. And he's like, just do it. Just kill yourself. And so he gets this phone call one day from a guy. He says his name is Trevor. And he's like, yeah, I just, I just can't go on anymore. And so Tender says, do it. Kill yourself. And so he does. Uh, which was very dark. Uh, and then Tender looks in the newspaper to see the like obituary and finds out where he's buried or when the like funeral was going to be. No, it wasn't the funeral, he but he decides his, to his go grave. visit his grave. And when he visits the grave of the guy he told to kill himself, he meets Trevor's sister, who is Fertility. the manic pixie, the manic, manic pixie girl that, uh, you know, he doesn't actually get to bone until the very end, but the, a bunch happens at first. Um, but anyway, so he meets her and like talks to her and, uh, and he's interested in her and she's like, Oh, did you know Trevor? Oh, cause he's standing he at his grave. You know what? I thought he might've been gay. I guess he must've been gay. <laughs> he's like, yep. Cause he's literally standing there at the grave. Yeah. She's like, I thought he'd have better taste than fucking you. Like, oh, Jesus. And then later, either that day or no, later that week, he gets another phone call to the suicide hotline, and it's clearly uh, her fertility. But he doesn't want, so he like puts on a fake voice because he doesn't want her to know that he actually didn't know her brother at all, that he told him to kill himself on the hotline. And so he puts on a fake voice and says, oh, how are you? Sorry, I didn't hear you there. I was just adjusting my big penis. <laughs> I needed both hands to move it. I put the phone down. Oh, there it goes again. <laughs> and she's like, oh, really? And she's playing along with him for a while. And, you know, he's like, why don't you go fuck that guy? He sounds really cool. And she's like, I, he, let me, do you have time? Let me tell you what's wrong with him. And then she goes on this vicious mean girl tirade about how fucked up he is. It's like his fucking hair's terrible. It looks like like Ray Charles cut it. He has <laughs> he's he's ugly. He has hillbilly teeth. He has, you know, a dumb face. And uh, he's and they for he the looks first like time when Uncle Fester put on a wig that one time in the second <laughs> Adam Sandler movie. But it's like a wig made out of a broom. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh it's not the first time in the book. It then becomes a thing for the rest of the book and he's fucking fat. And uh, but she's paying attention to him. It's like she's doing some whale watching. <laughs> that was also at the store today, but I didn't get it. <laughs> I don't know. One of us played this right. <laughs> this is called Whale Watching 2022. It's from Finback. It's their whale watching is their now annual beer festival that's in fucking Rhode Island of all places. Well, that's where the whales are. But for you know a brewery in Brooklyn and Queens, why not have it in Rhode Island? You know. That's convenient. So I, that's, I haven't been to that Just one. Just one Connecticut away. <laughs> and it is a, a double dry hop, double IPA. That's made with lots of, hype, lots of hops, and it's 8.5% alcohol. And uh, that's delicious. Oh, that's so good. Almost as good, I'm sure, as it's going to be to read the names of our patrons. So uh, this is a special episode. 
because it's a patron poll winner. So if you want to support the podcast, you could head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club and get early access to this, to all episodes, get exclusive content, join us for our uh, quarterly live streams, get shit mailed to you, discounts on merch. Oh my goodness. The, the benefits are crazy, but the most important one is you get shouted out on the book poll episodes. So I need to thank some people. And as is tradition, some people uh, use uh, nom de plumes, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's my turn to read them. So in no particular... Nom de beers. Well, yes, mm. and, and uh, some of these are poisoned beers. <laughs> so mean, I'm sure. <laughs> but I can't wait. Normally, they're mean against Nate, and it's, you know... Some aren't. Nate will enjoy this <laughs> if they're not. <laughs> so it's my turn to read them. Let me thank the fine people. In no particular order, Jacob, Linda, D.K. Law... Nathaniel, Thick Richard III, <laughs> Frederick, Sean, Nora, Beatrice, Maurice, Nin, William, Sophia, David, Derek, Carol, Sarah, Nick. Nothing exciting yet, guys. Joseph, Jeff, Yolanda, Jennifer. Ah, oh, here we go. <laughs> it's still not about me. <laughs> uh, this person's now. This is a good thing I always vote no. Nate snuck prop K9 on the ballot to remove <laughs> incisors for better suction. <laughs> yep, good thing they did that. And <laughs> Nate, Nate always looks so sad when he sees three-legged dogs. I asked him why. He said it's because it ruins their shock absorption. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anita Tolik, Anita Tolik, Barry, Julian. Heim Eaton Cox. <laughs> mm, yes, indeed. Uh, uh, the wife and the doctor told me I need to improve my diet and exercise habits. So now I drink beer out of a water bottle that I've written Slim Fast IPA across while stumbling around the house feeling shouting, feel the burn. That's You don't know how close to reality that is. Uh, where... When I work out in the garage, and I'm like, ah, oh, fucking, let's have a beer in between this. <laughs> between reps. You got to yeah, cultivate I, mass first, I need, right? I, yeah, it's, it, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the bulking phase. Uh, <laughs> it's gone 35 years. Pretty, pretty good. I mean, I feel like I haven't peaked. <laughs> uh, Grace, Catherine, Colton, chew long cock, no gag. Steven, <laughs> where is my damn dog? Oh, my God, this is another long one. Taste the biscuit. Taste the goodness of the biscuit. Taste the biscuit. Taste the goodness <laughs> of the honey sauce. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but thank you. That one's kind of scary. I don't know. Is that, is that, was that Confucius who said that? <laughs> Joe P., Crab, Daniel, Emotional Support Burrito, and CL. Thanks, patrons. And uh, I'm sure Nate thanks. thanks you, too. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, most of you. <laughs> I we did say it was you got to you got to even it out, but I guess they didn't. I gotta see what is to taste the biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I typed in only a couple of letters of it, and I got a whole. Oh, this looks like some absurd. It's a TikTok thing, and I, I gotta watch this later. Oh, it's, uh, a, it's a it's a reference to something. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a YouTube video called Taste the Biscuit, and it looks like. The equivalent of um, the the church group of Will Ferrell and uh, what the hell her name was on Saturday Night Live, uh, singing okay. rap songs. But it looks like two old people like that, but they're in a department store. 
It sounds like something that the guy from uh, Silence of the Lambs would say. It puts the biscuit on his skin. <laughs> I don't know what, where he left off in the book because so there's a million... She, there's, she's, a, she's, she's uh, jilling it on the phone to his voice and he's like, oh, please yeah. don't do that. I'm a religious man or something. I and need to she, butterfly this pork chop. She uh, does her lady stuff and then he hangs up. And that's like, this is... Uh, at this point, I'm wondering like, I don't understand this book very well so far, but I'll keep with it. So I mean, it goes on and on, but the, the most important thing is that his caseworker dies. Like first she comes is like she's crazy. Like he doesn't have anything wrong with him, and she sounds like she's pretty incompetent. So she's just goes, out of school. So she, so he goes through a phase of just showing her the symptoms of whatever thing from the was the DSM, the DSM. Whatever, that she wants or that he, she could interpret. <laughs> so she diagnoses him with everything. Just every week but he's only, a new thing. But only for a week at a time. And he's like, oh, oh, this week you have this, and this week you have this, and he just like pretends to do it. Did you see the one that was the syndrome where it's like you believe your penis is going to get smaller and smaller until it disappears? Right. Who has that? <laughs> right, right. That's not a thing. Maybe. <laughs> Neat, right? <laughs> Tell me it's the same size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one. I, I didn't look it up. I, I'm sure it's real. Or it's like a, you know, who knows? Uh, so there's one, okay, one event happens where... Yep, that's uh, real. Coro. Tender. <laughs> where... What did you t- Google? <laughs> Penis shrinking disorder? I Googled Coro syndrome. I remember what it was called. I was like, I gotta look that up later, and then I didn't, and now I did, and now it's real. Coro. That sounds, sounds vaguely Japanese. I don't know. <laughs> so one event that happens is that when Tender is out... So okay, so Tender tells Felicity, not Felicity, fertility, fertility, and for, 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 fecundity. No, no, it's uh, fertility. Fertility. <laughs> fertility. <laughs> I, I really like in my head. I'm like, oh, it's fecundity. Felicity is, is, is Carrie Russell. That's true. It's it's <laughs> fertility that uh, you know you should you should go on a date with that guy you met last week at your brother's grave, and just like pretending that. Um, just, you know, so she does, she goes out on it. She does the date with him. And when they're like on the bus, it's yeah. a hot date. Yeah. She sees, they see Let's a take random, the local bus, a random dude. He's sitting behind them and he's making Cretish jokes. He's oh, like, yes. he's like, what do you call a Cretish person with blue eyes dead? You know, what do you call? <laughs> A person who listens to Creed, stupid. (laughs) 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 No, he just keeps saying the same not funny jokes about the Creedish. And then I forget, I guess Fertility's like, shut the fuck up, guy. And then he's like, okay, don't I know you from somewhere? And then it's the brother. And Tender is like, no, not you, chicken wing. And then uh, I forgot (laughs) what his name was. It was like Elder. Is that what the deal? Adam. Adam. Every firstborn son is named Adam. Right. And all the women are named Biddy. Yeah. And, except, uh, if you, except if you get married off, you become something else. <laughs> 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 Must be. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, I don't know you. So you're my, weren't we brothers? I'm just, this is my stop. It's like a really weird scene. That's my bag. I don't know you. <laughs> and then he gets off the bus. So so like, that was God, so what two he, of these what actually bastards? sees is so what he actually sees is his so tender sees his 
fraternal twin brother who is the older one, which means his brother gets to be the firstborn that gets married and has all the children. Well, well, Tender is the younger fraternal twin. So because he's three minutes younger, he has to work a life of, of you know, weight of slavery, basically, you know, uh, working and, and well, all, the, all his income gets sent back to the cult because he's three minutes younger. Speaking of stupid, uh, it is then at some point revealed that uh, Trevor was a psychic who could see the future. Oh, yeah, that's why he killed himself. He was like, he was it's so bored. boring, always being right. <laughs> Doesn't sound boring to me. I know, right? So yeah, not really. Um, and then fertility Imagine, is Nate, like... Nate specifically means, though, I know what he's referring to, because if, if we always knew the answers to shit, we wouldn't have bothered him with all the train questions. <laughs> on bullet train like those fucking idiots would have already known I would have had to answer those questions it's, it's hard it's an unknowable question really if you're on a plane <laughs> <laughs> your plane is hurtling towards the earth and you have to shit okay so <laughs> does it just stay inside you when the plane crashes, will the shit go back in? No. So anyway, he, the caseworker has started doing his work cleaning up at the rich people's house. And another detail that didn't matter, but I thought was so fucking dumb, is that Tender is a shitty gardener. So he fakes it because the rich people don't actually care about anything. They just care about the impression of things. So their entire backyard is just fake flowers that he has shoved into different shoveled into different places. Which is which he gets from the graveyards. Yeah, he steals them from the crypts um, and some bloods, but he steals them from <laughs> <laughs> tombs. And those botany think, street wars are really getting out of hand. They are intense. You don't want. Well, I mean, the Latin kings are the natural gardeners of the. Of the street gang warfare. <laughs> so he is the gardener slash maid, all these other things. There's, if these people are really that rich, they would not hire one person to do all that work. Well, they're maybe they're rich, but they're also cheap. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. There's, there's, no, there's no reason why they would also... like Those people... Like, there's a couple things wrong with this whole scenario, right? They would have a specific gardener because rich people like to be able to talk about their different... Like help. Help, right? And then it's like a status symbol to be like, oh, well, I have the two, the gardener who's there every day, and I have the, this person, and I'm. So why would they hire one fucking rube from Nebraska to do all of it? Doesn't make any sense. Maybe they're not that rich, but they are. But they want to pretend that they they're are. They're new money because they, they don't wanna, know how they don't know how to do the etiquette stuff because well, they, old they money families know classic, how to sure. eat the lobster. But another thing that doesn't make sense is that they don't know how to eat a lobster, so he buys them a bunch of lobsters, and they practice eating the lobsters, apparently. And he eats a bunch of them the on The same own. day. Yeah, he walks them through like how to eat, how to cut open the lobster and not make a mess. Have you ever eaten lobster at a fancy restaurant? The fucking server breaks it open for you. If they're going to a catered dinner at somebody's house, they're not going to be like, hey, figure it out. They're going to be gonna people little, that do crunchers. it. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. It doesn't make any sense. That is not how, I mean, I'm not a rich person by any means, but I know that's not how it works. I've broken my own lobster. I have never eaten it like that. I've never eaten a whole lobster because it's hard. I mean, it's it's so much grossness. Oh, yeah, no, it's gross. You have to just accept it that, oh, this is going to be gross. (laughs) I mean, I really, when I say I've eaten lobster tail, what I mean is I've had a lot of butter 
held together by <laughs> the flesh of a sea cockroach. <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense. that they. He's like, they don't even look in the yard. They just look out of the window. Bullshit. This is one of the many things in the book where Chuck Palahniuk is doing the hip Gen X thing of shitting on everything. And he's like, rich people don't care about anything. They're just so like shallow. me, but different. Yes. I don't care because I have, you know, intense ennui. <laughs> they don't care because they're rich cunts. There's a difference. Uh, but this is the, it was bothering me for the rest of the book. I was like, that doesn't make fucking any sense. That's not. We could argue about how big a cauldron was in Harry Potter, but fucking, there's no way the rich people go to the dinner party for 35 and they're expected to cut open their own lobster. There's just no way. That's, that doesn't exist. But then his caseworker dies. Because she's been doing his work. Well, he also finds out that he's the last one left. He's the, so allegedly. That, uh, yeah. Well, so what he's told is that all the other Credish survivors have died. They have killed themselves, except some of them in suspicious circumstances. But should be. But they're probably all just killed themselves. So he's the so he's the last one left. And at the same time that happens, his caseworker has come to his his client's house, employer's house, to like help him clean because he's like it's so therapeutic. And then she dies because uh, she mixes he, ammonia. He was and he was cleaning the he okay. Uh, she dies because there was a mixture of ammonia, ammonia and chlorine, no, ammonia and what bleach. Is it? ammonia and bleach, which creates chlorine. But she was trying to clean the bricks with ammonia. But it was actually had created a chlorine chlorine gas, and then she died. So she's like dead on the floor. Which is why when you bleach your toilet, flush it before you pee in it. How much would you have to pee, Nate, to kill yourself that way? <laughs> I mean, how poorly hydrated would you have to be? <laughs> Just have like powdered urine. <laughs> well, like okay. A mummy pissing. So wait, Nate's about to answer this. Holy shit. <laughs> No, no, no! I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna answer that. But like, ammonia is also a a household chemical that you can have at around at times, or can be in some specific cleaners. So you could have a cleaner with ammonia in it and a cleaner with bleach in it, and you could theoretically accidentally mix them and and give your and give yourself a you know World War One death. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) and you could die in the trenches in your own bathroom. Stench warfare. <laughs> uh huh. Okay, so she dies, and then for some and reason, then the, the book loses all semblance of making sense. Oh yeah. Up till this point, you're like, all right, I don't know where any of this is going. There's 19 things happening, and then he's like, just wait, baby. Second and engine burned out. Here's 47 more pro- plot lines. And like the second half was an entirely different book. Sorry, felt like an entirely different book. Oh, absolutely. And it, the transition is. So uh, tries to be seamless, but isn't. <laughs> trying to think of an appropriate joke and say the first half is Survivor by Destiny's Child, and the second half, and I can't think of a song by Beyonce <laughs> that makes sense to say here. But like, it's more like the book is Cat Dog. <laughs> cat dog. The first half is cat. The second half is dog. That's yeah. I get it. They don't go together. I uh, I think they poop out of each other's mouths. It it does it does go it is pretty fucking random. So let's say what happens. He one of the so first randomly, people to call him is an agent. He's he fi- so he's told that you're the last Cretish that's survivor. 
And so he gets a call from an agent, and the agent is like, we're going to make you a star. You're going to be like a daytime TV juggernaut, but also like modeled on like Tony Robbins, like, you know, self-help guru slash... Jerry Falwell. You know, Jerry Falwell, religious, you know, zealot thing. I'm like, we're going to do, we're, we're going like to make you, uh, Oost, we're going to make you amazing. Austin. Joel Austin. Yeah. Joel yeah, Austin. Like Mega church preacher. Bullshitter. And so Tender says, yeah, okay. And then he goes through a training montage. Of getting steroids injected into him, into his butt. He does, he, I mean, not for nothing. This is another like retarded thing in the book, to put it bluntly. <laughs> he is a guy who has like no shape or fitness to him. And they're like, first stop, we're going to inject you with every steroid known to man. That's not how it works. It's not like you, you just exercise in, and it, take yeah, steroids. Yeah, you, you don't just inject people with steroids and they're like, oh my God, I'm jacked. And then he's constantly has these, this passage where he's on the Stairmaster. Which I do know what that is, Brent, you fucker. And he's, <laughs> <laughs> and he's climbing up and he's like, at, at the 90th sta- uh, you know, fucking story. But like the 300,000th story. But, no, but he, goes to th- he gets to like 300. Like he's like 100. At 120, you're like having a, a religious moment. And that's see like God's face. That's like 30 minutes of exercise. That is not like a <laughs> tremendous amount. So if you think about it, if you're on the Stepmaster... Going relatively slow pace, you're taking a step a second or so. You're going to fl- climb ten steps a second. You do st- six stories a minute. It's not that long, even at a slow pace. So, it's yes, just- but can you climb that many stories? It's not the same as walking at that pace. Like according to that episode of Keenan and Kel, when they walk to the top of the Sears Tower, it's very difficult. Oh, it's brutally hard to do. I mean, that's like a hundred, but like it's very different on the piece of elliptical or you know a cardio machine. I have, I have, I have been on one more than once. I did break one once actually. Uh, <laughs> not what you're thinking, though. Uh, I, I pooped on it. I, I shit right on it. <laughs> I was like, I made. No, I, uh, I'm so, I, I break shit all of mine all the time. So I never have good headphones. I always have shitty like ten dollar wired headphones for my phone. And I was on the thing in my head that I was so sweaty it fell out of my ear and got tangled into the fucking machine oh, and Jesus. just got like jammed up in there and I just like unplugged it from my phone and I just like there's something wrong with that machine over there. <laughs> 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 I was like oh I don't know I just saw this and I got to go and I left and then the next day that whole sign like out of order I was like man some people got to be careful. Man. It looks like someone was eating a spaghetti on the stairmaster that again. That is not what happened. <laughs> I wasn't at Planet Fitness where they give you pizza if you show up at the gym. That's it's a real thing. I mean, right. it keeps you coming back, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> until you know you fucking have to get all your you know toes amputated from the diabetes you have, and you can't even pretend to work out. So anyway, they go through this training montage, which doesn't make any sense, but it turns him into this like it turns him into Bane. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> yes, he's like ridiculously jacked, and his hair has fallen out, and he's addicted to tanning beds and jowl cream and all sorts of nonsense. I do love a good jowl cream. Yeah, I mean that's who doesn't. So then he gets all super jacked, and he starts marketing everything imaginable. The 
the tender Branson model. So his agent, who is just called the agent the entire time, kind of like runs his career, and not only runs his career, is like this is your the book that we ghost writ, ghost wrote for you, and we ghost wrote all your like speeches and all your appearances, and we're getting you on this show and that show, and also gives him you know the the whole like the personal trainer makeover, so he's actually like. Fit and you know, because the agent is like, no one wants to follow a slob. You gotta, they, you have to be, you have to be better than, you have to look better than people, than most people are, so that they want to follow you. And so he like does all this stuff, and it's just all about celebrity culture now. Yes, and so the second half is very much about like the the obsession of mass media with celebrities and about how fake all of it is. And yeah, sure, that he's right. And Chuck Palahniuk, he's right about all that. But in my mind, I'm like, it's so quaint that you think that's your biggest problem. It was that's the, 90s. the biggest problem. Exa- exactly. 9-11 hadn't happened yet. Trump hadn't happened yet. So, you know. It was the like, decade of are, grunge. This is peak Gen X. He doesn't get lumped in with the Gen X writers, but that is what this is. Is like, yeah. oh, it's his... I don't care about anything and nothing matters. Everything's fake, man. It's all bullshit. The thing I heard about it was like, it's not that you don't care. It's like, it's uncool to care about anything. So it's cool not to care. Yeah, that's fair. Now they're all just like, hey, man, how come I never got promoted? It's like, I didn't care much. Um, You know, that's the. I uh, thought it was going to turn into a Creed song. (laughs) No, no. I do still have, I'm still holding on to it. Still holding on to it. (laughs) So after a minute, you know, like, it's unclear how much time this goes through, but, like, at a certain point, like, his fame starts to wane when suddenly he's presented with an opportunity because back into the story comes fertility for plot reasons. Um, and now, with the death of her brother, she inherits the ability to uh, tell the future through uh, prophetic visions and dreams. Oh, did you say dreams? I said dreams. Do you think that includes daydreams? Yes, it does. Would you think it includes, Nate, triple citra daydreams? <laughs> do you have this in your fridge? I'm sure you do. Why, yes, I do. How do you know? How did I pick all the beer? I, I, I dreamt this, Nate. I would pick all the beers <laughs> you didn't pick. This is triple citra daydream. A triple oat, creep India, oat cream India pale. Oat creep? Oat creep uh, by TLC. No, oat cream India pale by other half. That is 10.5%, but they write 10.50%. Like, didn't your fucking math teacher teach you? You don't put that zero there. You don't put 10. Actually, that's not true. If it was actually measured to be zero five, uh, you know, five tenths and zero hundredths. Yeah, because it, it could be measured like five, to be that precise, then you would put the zero. Why, but is it any different than 10.5? Because 5, they though? can. If it was measured to specifically be that precise because 10.5 could be 10.51 or 10.52 but they're like no we got it right on the dot baby i doubt that they did uh because (laughs) i i agree yeah because most um most breweries are doing just very very good estimates they don't the the uh equipment to do this is requires actually like pretty serious chemistry to get the exact abv of a beer I don't know exactly fucking know anything of what it is. So I'll have to ask the emotional support burrito how that works. And again, he'll be like, I fucking am, I don't have time for this, guys. Um, <laughs> but how is it? It is delicious. I mean, I dreamt that it would be good. 
and it is. So maybe I'm psychic now too. Or it could be that I had one yesterday. I don't really know, but it's it's very good. Well, that's good because it is good for him because she tells him like, "Look, we'll have, we're gonna do. You know, I'll tell you the secrets. I'll tell you the future that's gonna happen. You can make predictions, and you know that's gonna be your thing. And that's like, okay, why are we doing this? I guess we're just doing this. But together, would you say that they make the perfect pair? Yes, yes, I would. This is the perfect pair from our old friends Duclaw. It's a pear vanilla hop sour. So oh, those are words. Pear, like the fruit. Pear vanilla hop? Pear vanilla hopped sour. Boy. Ale with lactose, pear puree, and vanilla bean powder. Oh, vey. I have to get the pancake taste out of my mouth first. <laughs> it's very nice. I mean, it's a sour. It's not beer. It's like a alcoholic pear soda. I get a little bit of vanilla, but it tastes like, it tastes like pear. It's not as good as that pear cider I had that one time, which was incredible. Uh, but it's pretty good. And Tender and his brother are twins. A pear. Oh, and he used to be fat or pear-shaped. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes he might have been expected to take care of kids like an au pair. Oh, <laughs> and he trimmed the hedges with a pair of shears. Sometimes had to iron a pair of his master's slacks. And teach him how to eat a pear tartan. <laughs> I feel like Nate's going to get really mad if we keep going. All right, Nate, what happens next? I, no, what I think is going to happen is I'm going to try to keep going, and then you're going to keep jumping in with the pear jokes, but okay. Um, uh, that's so, a parent. <laughs> <laughs> so Tender's uh, a career is then starting to slide. Okay, so Tender wants to get the biggest audience possible so he can kill himself. He's doing all of this stuff, all to be like the biggest, like Tony Robbins, Joel Osteen, you like wannabe, just so Did he can have the biggest audience. So he can kill himself with the biggest audience. That's like what he's doing. Meanwhile, his his uh, career starts to starts to decline, and so his agent calls him and says, "We've got you this greatest booking," which. Definitely sounded like the Dr. Oz show, but wasn't technically that yet. <laughs> Oprah hadn't we got, we got, Yeah, literally. It was like very, very Oprah-esque. Uh, and then uh, he doesn't know, like, but you've got to perform a miracle. You know, we've got to really, like, wow people in your, like, five minutes on this segment on this daytime talk show. It's like, Which I really don't know what doesn't make any sense, because the agent knows he's not actually magic. He knows it's all a lie. So he goes on the show. So he goes, he goes in the show. No, no, but first, but first he's yeah. like, I don't know what I'm going to do to do a miracle. How am I supposed to do a miracle? Because he's this like religious, like cult leader, you know, all the stuff about Jesus. Uh, but he's not a cult leader. He's just like a, you know, religious televangelist kind of thing. He's like, I don't know what's going to happen. And then the he's icon. at the airport bathroom with a senator from Minnesota. <laughs> he just had a wide stance. I don't know. He's not idea. from Minnesota. It was in the bathroom. At the Minnesota airport, so never go, he never wasn't go to your the home senator from Minnesota. For this. <laughs> so he's like in the bathroom, and he sees that there's a glory hole and stuff written by it. <laughs> and then he's like, "Like what?" And then there's like a fa- like a mouth appears, and he's like, and it, "It's it's in service. It's someone turned on the glory hole." <laughs> the glory you hole know, is I have in. a 
I have a wide stance on Urban Dictionary as a bulletproof excuse for soliciting sex from the man in the cubicle in the men's room. <laughs> I don't know if it was quite bulletproof. It wasn't bulletproof. Commonly used in concert with the even more convincing, I'm not gay. <laughs> I'm, he only lasted 10 more days in the Senate, so I wouldn't call it bulletproof. <laughs> what was that guy's name? Larry Craig. Larry, Larry. Craig. Yeah, that's what it was. If you Google, I have a wide stance, that's the only thing that comes up. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. But that hadn't happened yet oh, when Michael, this book was written. Guess what you're getting for Christmas. Does Larry Craig have a book? Oh no! <laughs> Wait, I'm not trying to. What, I can't. Oh god, where's the chat thing? I, I can't see the. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> it's not a book. That would be too good. <laughs> but it is a T-shirt. I love it. It's a T-shirt that says "I have a wide stance." <laughs> Which is <laughs> pretty also, funny. It's not a stance when you're sitting down. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, really. Just There's all kinds of holes in this excuse. There's only one kind of hole you're interested for, in. Yeah. <laughs> so he's at an, the men's room in an airport bathroom, and there's a glory hole, and a and a mouth appears. Except it's this is the promised land. No fertility. Uh, fertility. It's not hard. What <laughs> are you okay? Who says? I knew you would be here. I can help you. Oh, by the way, they, they like, not only did they not have sex before on their like first date, but like he's never had sex before because he's like afraid of so sex, gives which you powers. find out why later. Because apparently that's a, a thing. But um, I mean, well, she says, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you like next, like tomorrow there's going to be like a, a bridge collapses. In you Shreveport. can tell people about in Shreveport, wherever that is. Missouri? Louisiana. Louisiana, yeah, Louisiana. Uh, and so you can tell people about that on the sh- live on the show an hour before it happens. And when it comes true, it'll look like you performed a miracle. And it works. It becomes super even more famous. And they keep doing it. And this goes on for a long while. Him just making predictions, and he's like, "Oh fuck, I can't kill myself now." Until they start setting up for, and all the while, the the um, Nate mentioned this before, but like the um, agent has manufactured everything about Tender's life. You know, the 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 autobiography. It's not just ghost written; it's just fabricated. It's, it's just fiction. And they make him out to be the most the the creedish, since no one is alive to contradict them. That they were the most depraved, you know, child molesters, bestiality, fucker, you know, horrible, horrible people. And Tender is his victim because that's going to sell. And when they, um, it's somewhere a little later, I guess, when they go, when he goes on the um, interview and Fertility calls up, you know, he's doing like the, the interview with the, you know, Barbara Walters type or whoever it is. And, they're giving him his answers on the teleprompter. Like, what do you say to this question? And Fertility calls up and she's like, do you, you know, my job, is it a problem? She asks something about her job. And then you find out that she's like, she's like a, a surrogate mom sort of thing. She's a surrogate baby carrier. But she is infertile. So she's cheating and she conceives. She, they, they say she's going to conceive the old-fashioned way. So yeah. 
She's not like getting implants or anything. She's so she gets paid husbands five thousand dollars to show up at a random like couple's house and, and the, and the guy get fucks banged her. by the husband. Five thousand times, five thousand dollars each time. Times, oh my god! Yeah, five thousand dollars each time to get banged by the husband because she's being employed by a a doctor, a fertility doctor, a pimp that sends her out. Which is okay. So the doctor sends her out like this is this is going to be your surrogate, and though and so she goes and just like fucks all the husbands. But it turns out that it's all a lie because she's infertile. So she gets paid all of this money to go fuck all the guys, but it's all a lie. I got the sense it wasn't even really a doctor. It was just her pretending. You never meet the doctor. She mentions it. I mean, and then later in the really book, matter. there is a time where she just makes shit up about him. Like, it sounds like she's got either she has a very elaborate con or she had some sort of person that got her into this work. But she's basically a prostitute, but slash con man <laughs> or yeah, con woman. More con man. But prostitute too, so cunt man, is that a good compromise? Of, yes. I feel like that captures both essences of the job. <laughs> and she's <Ducani>. being... <laughs> he's uh, tender, is, is, is she's like, hey, is this wrong or whatever? And, and all the teleprompters are like, harlot! <laughs> like the guys are typing furiously, like, strumpet, slattern bitch! <laughs> like they're just Jezebel. like... Yeah, every, every old-timey word... You have prostituted your barren womb. <laughs> Whatever nonsense they're saying. What did that scene mean? Nothing, but it happened. Yeah, it ended up not really meaning anything. Nope. Uh, I guess it means a little bit at the end, but not much. And then the uh, agent has this brilliant plan to have Tinder get married because he's a huge celebrity. Now that he's like, you know, can predict the future and he like, you know, perform miracles, he's a huge giant celebrity. But he, so, t- so the agent has this but plan they're making to fun have of him because he's a virgin. To, exactly, to um, get married at the Super Bowl halftime show. That's but he has to also perform a miracle there. Well, they were all, we're not going to top Prince. He just did it and like, fuck it. <laughs> Why even do musical acts anymore? Because <laughs> the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> you have an you have a somewhat aging Rolling Stones come back, or this guy, <laughs> and so they have a. It's like the Tiny Tim wedding on the on the Tonight Show or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's all fake. It's not even with a real woman that's going to be his wife. It's all an elaborate it's an ruse. It's an understudy. Yeah, the woman who was going to marry him on the day is like, oh, it's not feeling well. So literally an understudy and, there, and the audio is dubbed. <laughs> It's already yeah, yeah, pre recorded, which is true of the Super Bowl. They pre record all the all the audio. Yeah, but I mean show. all those bands that play don't play live anymore any like you're telling me, you know, Katy Perry really plays a real live show when she performs. Or like I mean, am I being except, am I being the, a the, cynical Gen Xer? At the at the Super Bowl halftime show, people like bring their guitars out and they actually like play except none of the audio was real it's well, all the most uh, glaring ver- uh, thing about that was when uh, the chili peppers came out during bruno mars's set and you can see there's not even a cable going into flea's bass <laughs> like hmm. not even a wireless unit he's just holding a bass guitar electric bass guitar <laughs> that's not plugged into anything this whole thing was famously protested by that band a disclosure which is those two DJ guys, producers uh, at, I think it was Wimbledon, where, you know, it's, it's on a computer, 
so like you just plug it in and you can they do whatever they do. I don't I don't know how it works. But they space. said no, we'll just we'll just play pre record stuff and they're like, We don't like that. Like, well that's what you're gonna do. So they made it very clear that the cable running up to the table holding the computers was just unplugged, sitting on the stage in front of the whole thing. So it was clear the entire set was not plugged in. They're just like pretending, like, man, fuck this. I mean, I, I get it. Like, there's something like the Super Bowl. There's so many billions of dollars at stake at that moment. And they have a grand total of five minutes to set up the audio equipment. Which is never so, easy. No. no. So, like, I mean, yeah, it kind of, like makes sense but then again why pretend they're actually doing it why not just have a pre-recorded thing i don't know so i don't actually care that much either so please do not send us uh angry emails because i don't care you can send it i'll read them that's fine <laughs> i'll tell you you're wrong <laughs> jimmy is still looking for feed pics so that's true we have gotten send those too very few feed pics i know you know what Inflation and shit. Like people are saving them for OnlyFans. I get it. They're not just going to give those away for free. <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. Your plan didn't work. <laughs> oh, all this reading has gone for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I what happens? Promise. I was promised something in trade. <laughs> so okay. There is this. There is this. The agent has the plan to have Tender get married at the Super Bowl halftime show, but Felicity. No. Jesus. Fertility man. knows that. <laughs> Jesus, the dude. agent is going to die because his cologne is going to be poisoned. But it's actually, but it's actually Adam, the older fraternal twin brother, that's actually going to do it. And how do you they, like this? They, it's CK done <laughs> because at this point he knows it's Adam because Adam is glory holing him from the other side of the stall. <laughs> oh yeah, he's getting glory hole wobbly aged in there. <laughs> But I have to ask, Nate, maybe you'll know the answer to this. This is a real question, not a Nate pooping, does know glo- not a pooping question. Um, the, the idea that he kills the agent by uh, his cologne spritzes a little bit of chlorine gas on him, like that wouldn't really kill someone, would it? Don't you have to be like, prolong- like a decent amount of exposure to it? You just a little poof into your face in an open outdoor area. It's not going to kill you. It, see, that's what I would think, too. Otherwise, pools would kill everyone. Don't know. Well, it's because pools are 60% pure urine. So that's that. That's more that ammonia to mix with the chlorine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but there's also like eight percent asparagus in there. <laughs> I mean, it could also be that chlorine gas, like used in World War One, is not the same thing you're breathing when you're breathing just air near a pool. It's I like mean, I'd be like, exactly yeah, the, the pool thing, thing is not the same thing. But I feel like you just like get a cologne thing and spritz someone with a little bit of chlorine gas. You're probably not going to immediately die. Yeah, yeah. It's probably. not like I it's mean, fucking. But this book is so air. absurd that like it doesn't matter. Yeah. So the agent. It seems dies. very James Bondish. You know. The agent yes. dies. The police come to arrest Tender at the halftime at the fifty yard line, and but penalty roughing the passer because. <laughs> Fertility tells him who's going to win the Super Bowl. And so his miracle is saying at the halftime show who's going to win the Super Bowl and what the score is going to be. Which is and he's hysterical. like, every male in America is going to try and kill me right at that moment. And so I just have to escape. But also the people there who paid ungodly sums to watch the yeah. game are going to be fucking freaking out. And they form a lynch mob basically to get him. I thought that was the cleverest part of the book. <laughs> like, oh, definitely. What could he do in this situation to piss off everybody? Tell them who's going to win. <laughs> That's 
I thought it was really funny. Uh, but I mean, you use you usually know by halftime. Oh no, oh, not necessarily. Well, in this in this particular game, you know, it was only up by three, and they won by Could three. Have been either one. But then he escapes and felicity. God, now I'm saying felicity. I had no problem with this <laughs> word. Fertility is waiting in the well because fertility is a fucking stupid name that doesn't exist. So, so it's true. Also, fecundity. That's 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 it that's sounds funnier. it is a funnier name. Fertility the thing is fertility is a terrible name for a prostitute, right? Like that's the one Especially one of the things you want barren. to but that's like that's one of the features you're trying to avoid with a prostitute typically. Um depends what you're into. Maybe, but like Felicity, that is a very good stripper kind of name or porn star name. You're like, oh I'm Felicity whatever their stupid names are, Jameson, you know. I guess if I I like, why does a porn star need a last name? Like, I'm not mailing them anything. Anyway, so they, she's, Felicity seems more appropriate. So now it's in my fucking head. Um, they escape. And then they go welcome. on <laughs> an incredibly elaborate run by hiding exclusively in prefabricated houses, <laughs> traveling on that, that flatbed trucks. And there's a network of them. Like, these guys only meet up at certain diners. It's like the Underground Railroad, but for prefab homes. Yeah. And I wonder, is, as I was reading it, I was like, is this another, like, comment on something about American Con- consumer culture? C- consumer culture, yeah. Well, most of the book is consumer culture. That's also fucking Fight Club. And he, uh, and all of his other books that I can remember right now. <laughs> Not Choke. Choke was about, like... The guy was constipated half the book, right? And, like <laughs> anal beads shoved up his. I don't remember it very well, but I remember he like choke was the one where he um, got uh, he was alone. He got emotional intimacy from people saving his life when he choked on food. But there's I'm, I could be thinking of a different Chuck Palahniuk book, but there's one where the guy is like can't shit or something, and and has like a bunch of anal beads shoved up his ass. And then there's a big climactic scene where he takes that dump. Like that could be choke. I really don't remember. I think it, I think it was choke. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so then they ride through a lot of the country, trying to escape to Canada by For hiding some reason, in, in like, houses. That would really matter these days. It's I, not the fucking nineteen tens. Yeah, like if someone made it to Canada now, and they that that doesn't really mean much anymore, does it? Like, it's not oh. dodging the draft. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> in the Super Bowl. They're going to find him. They're going to drone strike him. So they uh, are trying to escape to Canada, except Adam instead takes them back to Nebraska because we forgot to mention. Oh, yeah. <laughs> forgot oh, to mention. Oh, yeah. So because Tender is the final survivor, they think, of the Cretish cult, he inherits all of the land which is 20,000 acres in the middle of Nebraska. And the agent had the idea to set it up as a garbage dump, but not for everything. Just for porn. Just for, just for because everything was in print back then. Yeah, this just nowadays it would just be a handful of hard drives. Um, but it's just porn and dildos. And uh, the phrase French ticklers gets used, which I had not heard since 1978. Um, nobody the French ticklers, and it's just a giant landfill of sex stuff. And they got legislation passed that you have to pay a deposit on these things, like like on aluminum cans, like on beer cans or soda cans. 
and uh, he is. That's what he did. Somehow, he's presumably the agent is making a tremendous amount of money off of this scheme. I don't understand why. It any was of just it happened. I think it was just a thing that Chuck Palahniuk was like, "That'd be funny, clever." Like how smart I am now, Mom. So, fertility escapes. Adam brings tender to the horn garbage dump, but they end up crashing their car and Adam is like, kill me now. And so I forget exactly why. And then well, first he tells, first he tells him the important thing. He's like, dude, don't you understand why you like, don't get a boner? It's because they fucking brainwashed you at the cult. And he's like, no, right. and uh-uh. it was not nearly, nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. No, I thought it was going to turn out that everything in the autobiography was real. That they were like molested and they fucked goats and shit like that. No, they just made them do what we all did in ninth grade. You watched the Miracle of Life video. Yeah, that they but they made but these the women were turned into fucking you know breed sows and they had children every ten and a half months and they'd make all of the other the the non breeding children watch as the you know unanesthetized birth took place. As, and the women, according to the brother, you know, exaggerated. Like it sounds like they screamed and wailed. Like, oh my god, look how horrible childbirth is. So and they would sometimes be, they died. they actually died. I'm sure these fucking guys weren't like well, scrubbing that's what up happened. from the OR. That's what happened to him. To His Adam, wife yeah. died in childbirth, and he's the one that called the feds and said all this bad shit's happening. And he's well, the one got the camp to kill itself. But all he's, he didn't say anything. He didn't say they're raping children and shit like that. What he said was they're, they're not. They're cheating on their taxes. They're cheating on their taxes. And the government's like, fucking, we're there. <laughs> he's like, they don't have appropriate uh, birth certificates for a lot of these runts. And then he did uh, allude to the whole uh, slavery thing. It was like, we're fine with that. It's like, no, these slaves are white. And they're like, we are coming to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know. Um, Saying like only one in twenty state, uh, one in twenty states, one in twenty kids has uh, you know their fucking uh, birth certificate. They're they're being counted, etc. And the guy's like, "Oh no, 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 no! This is Nebraska, goddammit. it! We need those kids to count. I won't let those fuckers in Kansas get ahead of us in the next census." <laughs> so to rush in there and uh, get in there, but uh, so that's why everybody killed themselves. Yes, and then Adam's like. He's like, that's why you don't touch your pee-pee ever. And Tender's like, come on, that's not nice. He's like, just kill me now. He said with one last breath. Remember that Creed song? No, I don't. No <laughs> oh, man, that was like the last pretty... Nope. Damn, I don't like Creed, but that was the last one. Like, hold me now. I'm six feet from the edge. You know that fucking song? That sounds like every Creed song. Yeah, that's what he said. Hold me now. I'm six feet from the edge. I'm thinking maybe six feet eight so far down. I get the lyrics are really stupid as hell. Yeah, that's pretty far down. I said something, but I'm down to one. And I cried out, heaven save me, but I'm down to one last breath. Anyway, it's a, it was their last decent song by Creed standards. So still bad. Still terrible. Mm-hmm. I was going so to try to do something with What If, which is another. That was actually a pretty good Creed song. But I knew you guys wouldn't know that one. That's going to be too vague, yeah. It's from their first album, My Own Prison? Oh, my God. I don't fucking know any Creed songs. I didn't listen to Creed? I didn't <laughs> no. know any better in, Everyone <laughs> in makes 1999. Mistakes. It's like, this seems cool. <laughs> Tony beats his brother to death with a rock. 
and then he buries him, and then uh, Christian Rock fecundity, Christian, <laughs> <laughs> and then fecundity shows up and says, "Come on, we've got work to do." I knew you were going to be here because I know everything. They're like, yeah, we got, we got that part already. You said it a million it's, times. It really makes the, the plot stupid. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, we're going to go to uh, Australia or some shit. And so they like flee. And at no, some wait, point... One other thing happens, which is they're even. like, we're on the run. Everybody's looking for us. And then she's like, I have one more client. I have to go. We can get some money. I just have to go see this one last client. And it mm. turns out it's... Tenders old employers, the lobsters. They spend a lot. They spend a lot of time hopping around, going to like Ronald McDonald houses and lying about terminally ill children, which seemed pretty fucked up. And then they need money, so they go. Then she's like, "All right, I know how to get some money real fast. I have a client." And then she's like, "Hey, you know your destiny is to finally fuck me, right? So you can finally have sex." Like, okay, fine. So they do. And then, oh no, no, you you can't skip this line, Nate. (laughs) You you don't line I'm talking about. Probably. Um, he sneaks up. She like ups there. She fucks the master of the house while um tender hides in the basement. And then he sneaks up when it's quiet, and she says, "Uh, shouldn't we be having sex now?" I say, "I guess." She says, "I hope you don't mind sloppy seconds." I don't. I mean, it's what Adam would have wanted. <laughs> and, uh, wow, that's, that's a line in the book. And then he <laughs> ejaculates immediately. Instantly. He says he only got an inch in. Now, he doesn't say, I'll, you know. That's halfway. That's <laughs> <laughs> Balls deep, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's a belly button. <laughs> it's an Audi. <laughs> But he does, he's like, uh, do you want to use a condom? He's like, why? Well, like, you're barren. <laughs> She's like, yeah, but I fucked like everyone else on the planet but you. So I might have some shit. And he's like, I don't care. He says um, he doesn't care because he's going to die soon. Anyway. I'm going to die soon, right? And she's like, you got me there. Or do you? <laughs> and then they go to the airport and somehow get onto a plane with a gun filled with live ammunition. So, so she tries to sneak the gun into, uh, in, 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 in the ashes yeah, it was, it was such bullshit. Yeah. It, well, it doesn't work. But then he grabs the gun and he holds her hostage to get on the plane. That but they got through... I mean, I don't remember what airport security was before 9-11, honestly, but... It wasn't that intense. <laughs> but it wasn't at the gate either. No. Unless they were in, in a podunk airport. If you're in a podunk airport, it's basically like going to a bus. But podunk airports don't fly to fucking Australia. They do if it's a big podunk airport. <laughs> Oh, rich? <laughs> a rich dunk? What does that mean? <laughs> it's, it's a total nonsensical thing. That So, fertility says, oh my God, I'm pregnant. We, uh, I have to kill myself. So, she calls, but she can see the future. So, she calls the airline, the, the, somebody says, get me, get me, do you have a flight for Sydney, Australia? Get me on the flight for Sydney, Australia. And then he's like, uh, and, and uh, Tinder is like, why? He's like, well, because that plane's going to crash. Somebody's going to hijack it and it's all, um, and we're all going to die and that's what I want right now. But okay, so here we're going to, here we go. So they go to the airport. She, she gets the gun through security, which was stupid. And then he takes the gun. It's like, all right, everybody, uh, I'm here to look for the hijacker. That's why I have a gun. And then he realizes, oh, wait, I'm the hijacker. So I'm hijacking it. And then you've come full circle to the beginning of the book. 
where he's like hijacked the plane and just telling his story about how it happened. But then, for, uh, not Felicity, fuck, what's her name? Fertility, Fertility says, <laughs> oh, you, you know, you're on this plane by yourself. You'll, you'll figure out a way out of this. You, but then the book ends mid-sentence, and he's just like, I couldn't figure it out, sorry. I think he realizes that she tricked him into killing himself. But I you could think be wrong so. Because it doesn't really matter, I guess. So, according to him, according to Chuck Palahniuk, he doesn't die at the end of the book. Well, no, because it ends before he dies. No, no, I, <laughs> uh, Tender survives. Oh, well, I don't know how anyone could get that conclusion from just the book, but sure. Well, I will tell you later, but she's like, don't you get it? She just keeps laughing. He's like, I need to find the terrorist as he points a gun at people and's like, get in your seat. Take this plane off before the hijacker gets here. It's comical. And then she leaves with everyone else on, what the fuck is that little island country? Vanuatu or whatever? Vanuatu, yeah. And, uh, then he's like, oh, I'm telling my story. And then end of the book. And according to Wikipedia, it has been stated by the author that Tender survives. And an explanation is available on Chuck Palahniuk's official website. I have read that explanation because when I read the book, I was like, what is that the fuck did I just read 10 years ago? And his, that web, I read it then. And I, thanks to, you know, like fucking uh, the Wayback Machine or something, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> And it's from, it's not quite from Chuck Palahniuk's official website, but it's from the quote-unquote official fan site of Chuck Palahniuk, Palahniuk. And it, uh, he basically says, this is, this is according to, the, this is according to Chuck Palahniuk, this is a quote, I can't speak, sorry. Here's a quote from Chuck Palahniuk. He says, the end of Survivor isn't nearly so complicated. It's noted on page seven or eight that a pile of valuable offerings has been left in front of the passenger cabin. This pile includes a cassette recorder. Even before our hero starts to dictate his story, during the few minutes he's supposed to be taking a piss, he's actually in the bathroom dictating the last chapter into the cassette recorder. It's just ranting, nothing important plot-wise, and it could be interrupted at any point by the destruction of a plane. The minute the fourth engine flames out, he starts the cassette talking, then bails out into Fertility's waiting arms. She's omniscient, you know. The rest of the book is just one machine whining and bitching to another machine. The crash will destroy the smaller recorder, but the surviving black box will make it appear that Tender is dead. That's apparently an email okay, Chuck sure. Palahniuk said to somebody. If you say so, man. I mean, I thought it was better. I mean, the book is called Survivor, <laughs> and, the, and the cover does show like a fucking plane crashing, so... So the book was so just absurd and ridiculous that, yeah, sure, that can happen at the end. If everything else in the book happened, that's not the craziest part. No, not even close. So, yeah, fine. Well, what did you think of it, Nate? Well, as I said to you the other day, <laughs> we were We were doing research. Uh, I see why you, you might have liked it before. Like, like I can see why this is like edgy, and it, you know, oh, and it's so it says so many things about modern society, and it says how everything is fucked up, so that must mean it's good, and it is creative. You know, I definitely would not have thought of any of these things, like being the like writing a book about 
the survivor of a doomsday cult. And that's not even that important in the book. I mean, it is, but, you know, so, okay, it's creative. It's different. I don't know if it's because I'm now older or it's because I've read Fight Club and this is like the exact same thing kind of again. But I am was just kind of like, oh, this shit again and not wowed by it. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, now this is weird. But I wasn't impressed is what I wanted to say, but I guess that's not quite what I mean. I wasn't like, I didn't love it. No, I, I could uh, agree with all that. Um, when you said that to me the other day, you said, I could see why you liked this. I felt a little better because I was like, man, why did I like this when I was reading it? I was like, this is stupid. And I was it's like, yeah. It's better when you're an edgy kid. I was an edgy 25-year-old, just just edging. Uh, <laughs> just, just edging constantly. That's how edgy I was. But yeah, I went, I mean, I think if you're just reading it and just like, I'm just taking in this story and then I'm going to move on with my life. It's fast and stuff happens. And there's a lot of stuff where it's clever. I mean, it does suffer from the Juno disease of everybody is, is brilliant and clever and every line is super fucking forced. And if you stop and think about them for a second, you're like, is that really necessary? Like just one that comes to mind is when he goes through the list of, when he goes through the list of miracles and he's like, oh, there's an oil tanker thing. There's a movie star, this and blah, blah, blah. And she says, next week, Ho-Ho, the giant panda, the national zoo is trying to breed, will pick up a venereal disease from visiting panda. And that's the kind of line like, oh, that's funny, but just unnecessary. You know, like it adds zero to the plot. It just has the same tone of like everything is stupid and I'm better everything than is, it. Everything is snark. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, like, aha, uh-huh, that's how that's how I I just deem to and to to speak to you people because you're so beneath me. You can hear him smirking through the words. And when you're and younger, it gets old. Yeah, it does. But also, it gets old throughout, like in the second half of the book. You're just gonna like, oh, more of this shit. Like, uh, okay. But, but the book is like 300 pages, or not even. So it doesn't take very long. So if you're not, you know, if you're sitting, if you're just sitting and reading, and you're not, and you're a quick reader. You don't even really have time to think about it necessarily if you're not the type of person that's going to digest and, and process it. The time clear- spent from him becoming, like his transition to becoming a daytime TV star is the same length of time that they spend describing the history of, of uh, paper flowers. <laughs> yeah, and that's another thing. Like, There's just part of Chuck Palahniuk's style, Palahniuk's style is like, overloading you with data, you know, that you it might matter or doesn't, but it ultimately doesn't, you know, like he has a whole thing. Oh, this is how, you know, the, the materials that paper, that synthetic flowers are made out of in the Victorian era or whatever the fuck he says. And you're like, do I, should I care? And of course not, because it doesn't even matter by the end of the fucking book. Doesn't matter by the end of the chapter. Yeah. So I could see how it's clever when you don't know better. Like that's that's what I think. It's, it's just better when you are also a snarky asshole, which you are when you're younger. I mean, I'm snarky in a very different way now, I guess. But <laughs> when you're a younger guy, I go, "Ha! This, I'm so much better than this." I don't know. I thought it was stupid. 
What did you think of it, Jimmy? What was your take? And by the way, uh, the book I was thinking of was Snuff, Not Choke, is when the guy takes a mm. shit of uh, anal beads. That makes sense. I had to know. <laughs> just Google, like, Chuck Palahniuk anal beads. <laughs> I mean, I just had to know, like, which one was it that I jacked it to? And so then I found <laughs> out. So what did you um, think of this book now, Jimmy? I thought it had a few cool ideas. I liked the concept, even though it was, like, clear, like, oh, he's just doing Fight Club again, you know? Like the outsider with the weird girl who, and, you know, there's a cult. You know, it's basically the same thing. I thought it just, it it felt smushed together. Like a bunch of stuff smushed together that didn't necessarily go together. I know, I like the way it's written. Besides all like the, uh, I'm too good for this tone. Which, you know, does get old after a little while. But that's part of it. It, it, it hasn't aged well. Which is not something that you say normally about like stuff from the nineties, unless it's Friends <laughs> <laughs> or a lot Timeless. of Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it hasn't aged well. It's just kind of like the whole mindset is boring now. You just, come off, you, come off, you just come off as kind of a dick, whereas coming off as a dick was cool then. Now it's just now you're just kind of a dick. I also think I would add, add, add to that. I think there was this. There is this phenomenon of. Being a young, especially male reader, fifteen years ago or so, when we were in like I feel like his school. books are exclusively written for men between eighteen and twenty-five. Yeah, they're for angsty dudes who are like, uh, like, should I read this book or storm the Capitol? And so you <laughs> read this book. Uh, they might not like. Chuck they were Pollock. mostly Gen Xers, so I guess that uh, makes sense. But he, he's it's it's sort of like it's it's the South Park generation. Totally. It's the, it's the same, like, everything is shit, you know, everything sucks, everything is fake. Giving a shit about anything Idea. means you're a dickhead. Yeah. That's, and that's true. I guess that just maybe appeals to younger men more, or, like, young, like, late it's, teenagers. It's nihilist shit. Or like, it was late teenagers in the 90s. Yeah. Late teenagers maybe these it's days, not quite maybe it's not true as true today. No, no. Teenagers these days care a fuckload about everything. They're and ridiculous. So it will not make sense to them. They would find so much of this offensive. And then you tell them Chuck Palahniuk is gay. It's like, well, you know, they're not all good. He's <laughs> internalized white supremacy. <laughs> they're gonna like they're they're ridiculous. I think Chuck Palahniuk, especially when we were younger men and Nate was middle aged. Had a reputation from the Middle Ages. The middle ages. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really digging this Chaucer guy. He's up and coming. Uh, no, but it's like when we were in high school. I remember. Did you read the, this? Did you read Fight Club when you were when you were a kid? I did not. I did not read it till I was like out, just out of college, basically. But I didn't read any of them until this. So, but I remember some of the people who were friends with Jimmy who had, like, I would see them carrying the Chuck Palahniuk books because they had like really bright covers. Oh and, like, you yeah, could tell. yeah, I remember. And they it was, love Chuck Palahniuk for some reason, because it was it was edgy, it was it was transgressive. That was like that is the term I think of for him. Is like oh, it's like gonna push boundaries and it's fucked up. I'm trying to think like what is what does it mean to be transgressive? Because it's not just it's not offensive. Is it just like I, mean, I think it's when you I think it's when you purposely do the opposite of whatever is like socially normal. It doesn't necessarily have to be offensive, but I, I think it ends up being offensive often. Because if it's social... It what, what is sensibilities. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. 
but he is super transgressive. Now, he's not as ridiculous as like the ass goblins of Auschwitz author, but he's he might be like the most palatable of that that type of writer. You know, and I remember the cool literary-ish, nerdy, not nerdy, but um, hipstery people we knew in high school and college had his books. And I think it created this... I think some of them still do. I'm sure some of them still do. I mean, a friend of mine, you know, she's now, you know, a 38-year-old lawyer, <laughs> but has a book shelf in her house, and she has like probably 12 Chuck Palahniuk books there lined up. And you could tell because they have like, Palahniuk, that big dumb name <laughs> written on the spine of it in size 72 font and in really, really loud colors. They, he has a reputation, and you just kind of line up behind that reputation at a certain point. You're just like, oh, yeah. Like, that's the opinion we're supposed to have of him. He's the cool author, you know? So and he when has you, his own kind of cult. He, I mean, his fan club website was called The Cult. Don't, that makes sense. He does write so, a lot of cults, so. So I think he... He developed this fan base. People dug it. It came at the right time. And, you know, Fight Club was a really great movie and a very good book. But, you know, he I think he did... The other thing he, he also does is, like, seem smart without saying much. <laughs> you know? Like, it's really mm. easy to be really critical of stuff. And shit on it and say snarky things, but have nothing to actual nothing of substance to say. Just be like the way we do this is bullshit. He offers no solutions. He's just no. yeah. He's just totally. complaining. Yeah, but it's complaining while he like smokes an imported cigarette and is like, "This is fucking so stupid, man." He would vape now. He would absolutely vape. <laughs> he has he has like a, tr- a vape trach hole. Oof. That you could also charge items through. Because <laughs> it's a fucking USB plug. <laughs> fucking cyborg. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand I don't understand vaping because it is you're literally smoking a thumb drive. But that's what he has. He plugs it in there and he's like, this is such garbage. That's all he <laughs> probably about the vape itself. Derivative. <laughs> vape. More like gasp. <laughs> and then I don't know. I have strong opinions. I, I, this rocked my world to read this book. Reread this book. Maybe it just made you realize how much of a, you've changed as a person yourself in a to- decade. I realized how, what a fucking idiot I must have been, or you know, whatever. Yeah, certainly I've changed. Hopefully, I've changed. A lot has changed about my life in the last ten years. But I loved him. I read every book of his, and I was like, I didn't think I didn't like get wisdom from them, but I just really liked his style. And now I read, like, man, this is like. The guy in your creative writing class that's trying too hard. <laughs> it's just so forced feeling. It's, I don't know. I'm afraid to ever read another one. Because some of them I still remember fondly. Some I mean, of them weren't I think great. Part of it could just be that the things he's criticizing are stuff we take for granted as being stupid now. We all know, oh yeah, consumerism's bad. And like celebrity culture is stupid. Back then maybe it was like, oh, Wow. What a bold stance. And now it's just like, eh, yeah, okay, dude, whatever. Was it a bold stance in 1999? Probably not, but among some people it probably was. So when he was writing this, or more like in the 90s, the media landscape was still more or less like there were there was cable TV, but still the big three or big four cable channels were most of the media, plus like a couple of newspapers. So it was a much more like integrated 
thing where a few media properties had most of the in most of the you know most of the exposure. Whereas the now, internet. because of the internet, there's just been a total fracturing of all media, so that now everybody is into something completely unique, or more like you don't even like know people that actually do the same thing that are. Into, I mean, I guess you you do, but though funnily, they are owned by less companies overall. So there's both been consolidation and fracturing of yeah. like the media the media landscape and it's 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 less true that there are only like three television channels and that just everybody watches there's those the whole time channels. and stuff like that. Now because of the internet everybody has Everybody's now in their own information silos where they don't even get the same fucking YouTube. They don't even hear about the same things that the other people are hearing about because uh, it's just a completely different thing. And so the the society that Palinik was criticizing now does not exist. You know, we've like moved beyond that in a in a really big way because of the internet and social media and YouTube and you know all these other things that it's just old. It's just old. Yeah. Even though it was not that long ago, but thanks to technology, that that time is gone. Well, like writing edgy, uh, topical stuff is a surefire way to make sure you are is dated in eighteen months, <laughs> right? Yes. Right. So, like, oh my god, look at this ridiculous shit <laughs> right now, and being all clever about it, like that's cool and all. But then everybody worry about Y2K still. (laughs) (laughs) This other book that's about the Beanie Baby craze. (laughs) Other late 90s. She's like, I'm really concerned that Woodstock 99 is not going to be nice. And you'd be right. That's true. That was was a bad day. Uh, But I think think you guys are right. I think there's a lot of things about the book that make it kind of, you know, stupid. Old. (laughs) Old. I mean, the, Chuck Palahniuk's sixty now, so he was. Is he really? Yeah, he's sixty. I just go. I just look at how old is this guy? He is literally sixty years old. So he was in his late thirties when he wrote this. Then, right? If he wrote it twenty, yeah, three years ago, twenty four yeah. years ago, he's he's like our age. I mean, I guess we'd say similar things about today's culture, and we'd be just as like bunch of assholes for doing it, wouldn't we? Yeah, it's like I don't I mean, really understand why people like listening is, to Nicki Minaj or whatever fucking dated thing I would say at the time. You know, like well, no, nothing he's saying is wrong. It's just it's no longer relevant. And well, I so, think, eh. I mean, like you could like we read these fucking you know Jane Austen books and they're not relevant at all. But for some reason, it doesn't feel it, like it feels old because it is. But it doesn't lose its meaning because it's old. Whereas this kind of did. I'd say a lot of those classic things have lost their meaning too, but we just force us as a society to keep pretending yeah. they mean things. Or we think it's interesting because of the historical perspective. Like, oh, weren't yeah. people so silly back then? <laughs> whereas Look how this it's is changed. Too, whereas this is too close in time for us to be like, oh, how interesting things were 200 years ago. But not 20. Yeah. If there was a book that took place... Five years ago, I just made fun of like, I, I don't know, uh, what the fuck, uh, what, there's going to be a book in a year or so ago, maybe like about fidget spinners. You're like, well, this is outdated. <laughs> just like, what's the point <laughs> of this book anymore? <laughs> no, it's true. It's, it's in like a weird, 
um, the uncanny valley of nostalgia. (laughs) Whatever the opposite of nostalgia is. But it's like Mm -hmm. it's too recent to be nostalgic. It's in the nostalgia gap. The nostalgia gap. The nostalgia taint. It's not old enough (laughs) to be nostalgic about, but yet it's also not right now. Yeah, I guess maybe that's right. Maybe that's what it is. That being said, though, the book, I still think it tries way too fucking hard to be clever. And, and it does too many things. This I think this is the first book he wrote. It wasn't the first one published, but it might have been the first one he actually... Um, or it's one of the first, certainly. It definitely, it definitely felt not as cohesive as... I'm, I've only ever read Fight Club besides this, so I, I don't know. But. No, I'm wrong. It was not his first book. It's a quick turnaround. It was his fourth novel. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. But he wrote them all around the same time in the you know the early to mid-90s. Fight Club came out first, but wasn't written first. It's kind of murky. He is very much a product of that six-year time period. Well, it was interesting. When he and Nate were, were researching, they were talking to another friend of ours, a guy who maybe listens to the podcast, I'm not sure yet, uh, who was saying that it's you know, all those Gen X authors are kind of together. And I do I think there is something to that, like the the snark of the Gen X male writer in the nineties. And he does like before I before rereading this, I always thought Polonik was a kind of his own thing. But no, he kind of fits into that same category as David Foster Wallace and um Douglas Copeland and the other um Michel Brett Easton Ellis. Hullebeck or however you say that French name. Yeah, Brett Easton Ellis. Where they're just like Sitting at their douchey pillar and just shitting on everything. <laughs> just isn't it stupid? They're like the beatniks, but forty and years. We later. do lots of drugs and we're cool, and we're really we went to really good prep schools and colleges, but like we don't care. I learned about why society is terrible at Vassar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what they did. So, uh, who should read it? Well, go watch Fight Club, and then you're done. Just find your place, fight with cult, uh, Cretish cult, and then imagine that fertility, uh, what the fuck, Helena Bonham Carter's name, she Marla. was a full-fledged prostitute instead of just like, sort of, messed Marla up lady. A prostitute, she just liked to bang um, his other personality. Oh, that's true, yeah. She wanted to have his abortion. clothes from a laundromat. I can't remember, was that the line in the book or the movie, I want to have in your abortion? In the movie was, I want to have your abortion. But I think um, it was. I no, no. In the like movie, it's grade school. Yeah, in the, the, in the book, it was. I won't have your abortion. Or that was like the intended line, and they changed it. it one was in the book, and then they changed it for the movie. How? What a simpler time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's fair. If you like, if you liked Fight Club, at this point, whenever this is in your life, you'll like this. It's the same kind of thing. I liked Fight Club. I didn't really like this very much. It was but fine. You, but, but you liked Fight Club 20 years ago, dude. <laughs> no, I read Fight Club with us. I'd never read it before. But you liked the movie. But you saw the movie. Oh, yeah. It had already like credit earned with you. you know? True. Well, I, I thought the you, book was much better than this one. I think it was better, too. It tried to do less. I, yeah. I feel like he... If, he you know, if they, didn't, if they didn't do the whole thing where he became like a daytime star... And yeah, that should have been a separate shit, book. It would have been, been I think it had a better chance at like, you know, just ma- you know, maintaining the thread. Well, um, I, I'm sorry I picked this one, guys. I will not be picking another one of his anytime soon. Unless this gets a lot of downloads and then Damn it. brace yourselves. 
Yeah, we'll have to. But in the meantime... Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to DrunkGuysBookClub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at DrunkGuysBC. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at DrunkGuysBookClub. And if you've listened this long, why not head over to that Patreon and uh, support the podcast. Patreon.com slash DrunkGuysBookClub. Or just leave a review wherever you're listening. Just leave one star for every plot line in this book. So that will give you a comfortable buffer of 17 stars. And uh, we'll end up at five. And you can also join us on Goodreads to discuss books and reads and also goods and reads and reads It's a marketplace. <laughs> it's a marketplace of ideas. <laughs> and Free check market. out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.